ministry of the word, please welcome to the stage our lead pastor, Rob Griffin. That's me. Ah, how's everybody feeling today? Y'all are looking happy. What I can see of you under these lights. God's good to us, isn't he? Well, the time. I am very excited about um, several things that um, we have going. And I uh, know that's a bunch to crunch right there. Um, let me uh, say this, though. Uh, if you're wondering, we have had um, uh, the Bergeson uh, remodeling crew in the building this week. We are refinishing the concrete floors, which... Um, the part that they're doing right now creates a lot of dust. So if, if, if we're dusty anywhere today, just ignore it. it. What do they say when they put the signs, please excuse our mess, we are under construction or whatever. So uh, if you wonder what's going on out there, uh, when, we, when we had these floors done originally in, in, this, in this format with the concrete, um, we had them... Um, it was suggested that we throw sand down, and um, and what we failed to to realize then, and God bless the hills who have put up with it as our caretakers all of these years. But we failed to realize then that uh, a sand covered floor is extremely hard to mop because as it just drags, and and so uh, we got it in our mind to um, refinish these floors to make them more smooth to help with that and plus the the look of it we're just changing the look so that's something that's going on so if you if you if we look like we're kind of our floors are kind of weird right now that's because um, they are so anyway uh, so just <laughs> so bear with us it will be through uh, that part will be through this week so bear with us. Um, I'd also uh, like to comment on the fact that we are launching uh, connect groups for our connect group uh, semester, our fall semester, this coming Sunday, so next week. And uh, we're going to have more to say about this. Pastor Trent, I think, will as well. But um, if you have a connect group that you would like to lead, uh, we want to encourage you to go ahead and register that group today, if at all possible, so that we can be ready for the launch next week. Because as you remember, we're going to put tables out and all of our groups will be represented um, next week with the leaders. And so if you're planning on doing a group, we need it to be registered as soon as possible, if, if not today, so that we can be ready to, um, to have you at a table um, next week. And connect groups are really easy to lead. And last year, we did a, a fairly simple uh, leader uh, training. If you were interested in that, we will offer that to you as well uh, this time. So just let us know, and we'll be happy, happy, happy to accommodate you. Um, all of this, all of this uh, kind of leads into the series that we're doing right now. Um, we really, we really last year decided that it was a good idea for us to focus on connect groups during um, the beginning of the fall. And launching our our connect group um, connect groups this way. Uh, last year we talked about doing life together, and that's really kind of what connect groups are. Um, if, if you're cu- curious about our our vision is to love God, which love God is is kind of what we do here on the weekends and our weekend experiences, sort of 
our big focus. And, and then we also have this part of our vision that is to serve. Well, we, we say serve with excellence. And that is, um, that, that's our dream team and all the areas of our church that we serve. And we have just so many fantastic teams um, everywhere. It gives people the opportunity to, to make a difference in someone else's lives by being willing um, to serve. And, 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 you know, I rejoice I rejoice with um, our fantastic food bank uh, team, 157 turkeys. Come on, somebody, 157 turkeys. We are set. We are set for our turkey uh, giveaway uh, come Thanksgiving. And so uh, that's, gonna, that's just going to be awesome. And we've got turkeys distributed throughout the church, and, and we're, we're, we're squatting in your freezers also, Freeway Cafe here in Tulsa, three locations, and they're um, sitting on uh, several cases of our turkeys in their restaurant freezers, and also Mounds Public School was very uh, good to us this year and opened their freezer space up for uh, several cases of turkeys as well, and so we're excited about that, and uh, you know, come November, we're going to give them away, and it's always just a blessing uh, to see that happen. And the real blessing this year is that we're not going to be scrambling for turkeys. We have all of the turkeys that we need secured at a much discounted price, which is amazing at that. We actually got these turkeys for $2.55 a turkey. Okay, two fifty-five per turkey. Am I right on that? Is that close? Close. Well, okay. I, I, I saw you look at each other, so I was thinking, okay, did the price change on me again? Ish. So, so I will tell you this, we spend a whole lot less on turkeys than we normally do. How about that? How about that? Because we normally pay anywhere from 10 to $15 a turkey. Uh, and so just awesome. And that, that's really one area, uh, one area of many that uh, people have found uh, just a great place to serve. And, 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 and do something outside of yourself for someone else. And, 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 and it really is making a difference. And, and it's helping you find purpose. And so that's kind of what we do with that. But this middle part of our vision, this idea of connecting with others, um, it, really, it really goes at the heart of what it means to be a part of the church. All right? I, I think that, that people need to understand that when, that when we talk about making a commitment to have a relationship with Christ, that the fundamental idea of the New Testament church is that we also commit to a relationship with one another. Christianity, at its heart, is not an isolated experience. God does not intend for us to live on an island by ourselves. We are not to only have Wilson the volleyball as our companion. Come on, somebody, help me out. That, that in, in God's heart, in God's heart, when he created man, he created man to be relational. We are relational beings. Healthy humanity forms relationships that are significant. And so when we talk about the church, we think about the church. Galatians 6.10 Gives us this tremendous revelation. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong. And, 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 and look at that. To the family. Everybody say family. To the family of believers. The, the Greek word for family here is 
Okay, Austin, this word literally means a relative. It means of this house. And I love this, one who belongs to a particular household or an extended family. So, I mean, when we think about the church, we think about the church, we must recognize that that biblically there is a family context to Christianity. A family context to Christianity. That you and I are more than just attenders. So I think it's, 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 it's really uh, important to examine this reality, especially in today's environment, that, that people want to go to a church, but they, they don't necessarily want to be a part of the church. And that's, that's shifted. That has shifted over the last uh, several decades. I mean, if you go back to the idea of church, go back to the idea of church, back before there was so much um, suburban life and, and the spread in, in that way. I mean, you think about even as close as the 50s and 60s, when you, when, when you belong to a church... You were a part of that church. Matter of fact, many communities had churches in the very center of the community life. All right? I mean, you could prove this. Some of the oldest churches in Tulsa are where? In downtown Tulsa, right? They're in downtown. And and that's the way churches served a community. You go to any small town, any large town, in this nation, and you will, by and large, find churches at the center of that community life. And, and, and it was so real in, in that, I was thinking about that this week, that that has really changed a lot over the last probably 40 years, that has changed a lot, that, that, that you know, with the advent of, of people driving cars and, and, and there being multiple other interests when it comes to churches. I know for our church, we have, and I have consistently had, over 20 zip codes represented on the seats of our, of our church on any given Sunday. 20 different zip codes. People are driving in from everywhere. And so, and so church is no longer thought of as this centerpiece of community life where everyone knows everybody and we know how old your kids are and we know what their names are and your your mom went to church here and your grandma went to church here and your great-grandma went to church here. And, and we've, we've gotten away from that in the modern church age to where now people, by and large, don't even attend a church in the community where they live. And and, and, the, and and then you, you exasperate that a little further by even saying that we no longer go to church with our neighbors, by and large. That if they go to church, they're probably driving over here and you're driving over there. And, and, and it, it creates this environment to where that as a church, we have to become extremely intentional, extremely intentional about building relationships within this community, this family of believers. We've become very intentional about how we handle that. And there are reasons for that. I think that, 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 that it's important, even, again, another, another thing that has, has come to this generation that, 
50, 60 years ago was almost unheard of is even the idea of a, of a mega congregation. Now, I'm not talking negatively about that. Understand where I'm coming from. My pastor pastors a over 10,000 member church, okay? So I'm not speaking disparage of that. But what I am saying is, is that there is a certain percentage of people that go to a, a exorbitantly large church because they specifically don't want to build relationships with people. I've had people say this to me, that I go to such and so church because when I go there, I can hide. It's just so large that I can, that I can go uh, when I want to go and, I can, you know, and, and, and nobody knows me and I don't know anyone and they specifically go into that environment to be alone. These churches are trying to correct this. Uh, uh, Pastor Cho, for instance, years ago developed this idea of cell ministry, which we call connect groups. He, he developed this idea of cell ministry because his church was running in the hundreds of thousands of people and he recognized that people were attending church but they weren't really a part of the church. They were coming into the building that we call the church but they were not interacting with the people who are really the church. See, this building, you can have church anywhere as long as the people show up because the people are the church, not really the building. So when you get into this mindset that, that you know what, I, I just want to be left alone, then you lose sight of this tremendous thing that the, that the early church experienced and it was simply this. We are family. We are family. And the reason why this is vitally important, and I think that that this is what's got to kind of plug into our mind, the reason why this is vitally important is that we are here for each other. That, that That we need each other, and we are here for each other. Matter of fact, I think we have to recognize that when we were saved, it's not just about hiding in a corner or, or waiting to go to heaven. I think that people think of this idea of salvation is always about forward thinking. Well, when I get to heaven, when I get to heaven, when I get to heaven. Do you realize that, that there aren't just eternal benefits to salvation, that there are temporal earthly benefits to salvation? That you weren't saved just to go to heaven. You were saved in order to experience a little bit of heaven on earth. Matter of fact, the Bible calls it the earnest, talking about the Holy Spirit, the earnest of our inheritance. Or or, or can I say it like this, the deposit of what's to come. That there is this magnificent thing that is going to happen eternally, but there is this magnificent thing from the eternal that is happening in the temporal. And one of the biggest blessings about our Temporal salvation, one of the biggest blessings is that we get to be a part of the family of believers. And that as the family of believers, we help each other along the way. Matter of fact, 1 Thessalonians says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. 
Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. There's this idea that I think we really got to push and it's really my first key point of the day is that family encourages and builds each other up. Family encourages and builds each other up. That's why I think it's so important for us to recognize that it is a travesty for a church to become a critical church of people. It is a travesty for a church to become a judging church or a condemning church. And I mean, we've all probably, at least if we haven't experienced it personally, we've at least known someone that has experienced that idea that, you know what, they don't go to church because they feel like their life would be judged in a very harsh way. And, and in reality, I think we all have to realize that everyone, everyone needs to be encouraged sometimes. I think that's, that's difficult for some people but to, to, to grasp, but here's the reality of this. Every person that is living has the opportunity to go through discouraging times. Jesus said it like this to disciples, in this world you will have trouble. He promised them trouble. Now that's a promise we don't want to, we don't want to, receive sometimes, but the fact of the matter is that the world has a way of just bringing situations and trouble and circumstances in our life, and everyone, everyone needs to be encouraged sometimes. Oh, not me, pastor. I just muscle my way through it. Yeah, go ahead. Everyone needs to be encouraged sometimes. Matter of fact, it even says here that we're to build each other up. Do you know that everyone needs a pat on the back sometimes? To build someone up to say, hey, you're okay. It's going to be all right. Come on. Let's keep moving forward. I mean, the Lord knows that all of us probably have enough critics in our life that try to tear us down. I mean, you just a quick glance at Facebook, find that out. There's always somebody out there, you know, to, 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 that, that, that has the potential of saying something negative. You know, it's, it's good ever so often. Trust me, trust me. I don't think, I don't think any of us have the, the potential of, like, getting the big head and being conceited. I mean, it's all right to pat me on the back and say, you're doing a fairly decent good job. Because there's a whole bunch of other people out there probably are saying the exact opposite, right? You're always going to have that. But when we come into family, when it comes to family, we have the opportunity to say, hey, you're all right. You're, 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 you're going to make it. And to build each other up, to, to encourage one another, and to build each other up. Matter of fact, Hebrews says it like this in Hebrews 10. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as we see that they're approaching. And he's speaking specifically of that day of, of, of judgment and that day of persecution. And he's saying, man, as the fire gets turned up, we need each other. 
when you have a question mark in your mind as to whether or not you're going you're gonna to even make it, we need each other. One of the worst things any one of us could do in the face of a negative circumstance is to run and hide. Therefore, we have to build relationships with people that we trust. See, we talk about our connect groups and say, in our connect groups, you find freedom. How do you find freedom in a connect group? Well, freedom is found in relationship. That there are people that can help me carry my trouble, and I'm there to help them carry their trouble, and I find freedom in the fact that we're accountable to each other, and we know each other, and we support each other, and we care for each other. And that's only going to happen in the confines of a relationship. You know, they're having people in our life that we can go to. And that doesn't happen in isolation. And that doesn't happen living on an island. And that doesn't happen in the context of strangers. See, this gives us great insight and it reveals why family connection within the community is so important. We are here for each other. The second main point is that family ministers through individual gifts. Family ministers through individual gifts. That you've been given gifts, I've been given gifts. And my gifts are meant to encourage you and to build you up and to minister to you in your time of need. And your gifts are meant to encourage me and build me up and minister to me in my time of need. Romans 12 says it like this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. But listen, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Be devoted to one another. I mean, take it so seriously. It's family. And be devoted to one another in love. That only happens in the confines of relationships. Here's the deal for me. Is that somehow or another, through the course of my life, whether it was my upbringing and how I was brought up to think about the church, whether it is my recognition, having gone through enough 
times of pain and of hurt and of concern and knowing then that I had these extended family relationships in the church to help me along, somehow or another, this guy who, you, you, you wouldn't believe this, but in a, in a lot of ways, I, I land on the scales of, of melancholy in a lot of ways. Most musicians, singers, writers, poets do. Um, that can, in times of stress, cause me to want to isolate, to hide. But for whatever reason, under the anointing, and I was this way before I, I pastored as a, as a traveling preacher, but especially as a pastor, it has, it has settled on me, this idea of connecting and, and being devoted to you, being devoted to this thing called the church. And so, I, I, I've always done, for years I've done things differently. I, For instance, it's just a for instance on me, just to kind of let you know where I'm coming from and why connect groups are so important to me and why building these relationships is so important to me. I... Um, I don't. I, I do something different than most any pastor that I know. I, I don't like hide in my office before and after service. Now there are times that I have meetings, and those are the exception, not the rule. Most of the time. Most of the time. You'll find me before and after every service in the foyer, walking around in the halls talking with people. My pastor friends feel like that is an anomaly because, you know, they say stuff to me like, you know, don't you need to go to your office and get in there and quiet of your office and kind of focus on what you're going to preach? I mean, when do you, when do you prepare on that day? If you're talking with people and walking the, for you and all this, if you're doing all of that before and after service, when do you get your mind on your sermon? I, well, I get my mind on my sermon when I start preaching it. You know, I mean, I, I write my sermons. I already, I know where, I, where I'm going. So I, I just figure when I, when I turn on the iPad in front of the audience, this is where the go button gets pushed. Because for me, for me, the experience of being a part of the family is more important. I figure this is going to work itself out. And so, and so I don't go hide in my office. I don't have security guards keeping you away from me. Because it's valuable to me. Okay? It's valuable to me. I want, I want to know, to the best of my ability, how your week went. How your day is. Because you're family. And I'm devoted. I'm devoted in love. 
Have I been tempted in the past to do it differently? Oh, sometimes fairly often. We've gone through times of losing people that we, that we were devoted to. And for whatever reason, maybe I said something. Maybe the church is doing something that they feel like they need to go a different direction or whatever. And that's very painful for me because I'm devoted. I struggle with that. And sometimes that makes me want to go back to my melancholy, back to my less isolate. Because you know what? If I can just stay over here, I don't have to think about this. I don't have to feel this. Raylene and I never hid our, have never hidden our children from the church. We've never we didn't, we didn't isolate them away. Some pastors do because there is pain in relationships. I, I get that. I will tell you this, that the blessing of relationships far outweighs any pain. All right? Years ago, we had a family that we were very close to and very close to. My parents at that time lived in South Louisiana and Oakdale, Louisiana, and they didn't travel. We, my parents didn't travel. We didn't take family vacation. I mean, to us, a family vacation was Bonwer, Texas, or Rockport. Rockport, about a four-hour drive. Bonwer, about a two. We went to Bonwer a whole lot more than we went to Rockport, although Rockport had a beach, and Bonwer just has pigs and trees. All right? There's nothing to do in Bonwer, Texas. All right? You're not even close to a town. And it, they call it a town, but you're not even close to a real town. And we're from Houston, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, Bonworth's like backward city, you know? And you know, why we didn't go to Rockport more, because Rockport had a beach, it's probably because it was a four-hour drive, not a two-hour drive. Come on, somebody help me out. We took one family vacation as a child. We went on one family vacation. We went to Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and saw and went to the Christ of the Ozarks and that was the biggest family vacation we ever took and it was probably because my dad won the football pot at Browning Root. Just saying. So my mom and dad didn't travel. Matter of fact, all these years we lived here, my mom and dad were alive. Out of a probably 17-year run, my mom and dad came up here three times. Three times. That I can, I can think of. It might have been two. <laughs> Raylene just said two. <laughs> so we had to go see them. And, and so that was just the deal. Raylene's mom and dad, um, they, they much more traveled people, but they were living in, in California at that time. And so we were kind of here without my kid. Here's my, here's, here's my two boys. Raylene's our little, they're babies and going into school. And at that time they went to a Christian school and every year they'd have grandparents day. Well, we didn't have grandparents here. We were, actually, we didn't have really any family here that was speaking to us. So anyway, that's all a religious thing. Just zone that in. So people in the church, this, and this family was one of them. He was kind of my right-hand man. He was the phone call. If a pipe was broke, you, phone, you called his number any time of day or night. He was my guy. They were my kids' people. 
they went to grandparents' day. We were close. And for whatever reason, the day came that they walked in and said, you know, we just really don't like this, we don't like that, and we're going to leave. And man, it was like a dagger in me. And, and, and I'm like, I mean, is there anything we can be done? No. No. We just came to say bye. Man, it was painful for me. And so we, you know, a week or so went by to see if it would change. And it didn't. And I guess a grandparents' day was coming up or something. It, it caused us to sit at the table with the boys. Baylor was probably nine. Boston was five, maybe first grade, maybe six. We sat there and we explained to them that this, that that they had left and they didn't really want anything to do with us. And, and we all just sat there and cried, man. Because to us, it was family and we were devoted. And after we put the crying kids to bed, I walked in the bedroom and looked at Raylene. I said, that's it for me. That's it for me right there. That's it. I am never going to sit at the table again I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to have that conversation again. I'm going to keep our kids out of any relationship in this church. I'm through. I'm through. I'll do what these other preachers do. I'll isolate our kids. We will separate our kids. We, and, and we'll separate ourselves. We're never going to be close to anyone again. Never going to let our kids get close to anyone again. Never. Raylene's going to look at me. and I mean, we're upset. Just within days of this proclamation, I mean literally, just within days, we started having a relationship with a couple that came to our church recently in that whole, in that whole scenario, came to our church and They hadn't, they hadn't been a part of a church family in over 20 years. And boy, you know, you, you, could, you could sense. Not just within weeks, maybe a couple of months after that, Baylor sort of come in and he was like, Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start calling them G-Ma and G-Paul. Man, that's tough for me to swallow. I'm like, you sure? What? Yeah, they just feel like that to me. Grandparents' day came around, and Raylene's mom and dad were fairly close. And we said, you know, Grandparents' day is coming up next week. You want us to call Nan and Papa and have them come over? They can take a couple, like three-hour drive. They could take it, come over, and they can go with it. The boss says, no. I want, I want G-Paul to come. I'm thinking to myself, Ugh. Ugh. I said I'd never do this again. But then we had like a water break or something, and I thought, God, who do I call? Ghostbusters. I called Dave Holford. 
every day. What you doing right now? I don't know, Pastor, what you got going. Oh, I got a mess. I'll meet you there. And you just feel the heart start melting. Because suddenly you see that in God's providence, He'll say, if you'll stay connected, I'll bring you some other family. So there you have it. Dave and Karen Holford sitting over here. Surrogate grandparents to my children whom I declared I would never do again. Right-hand guy that sat all day Friday out there running electrical wires in order to get us and to to get us to where we can put a playground out there. What do you do with that stuff? I'll tell you what you do. You don't make the isolation declaration. You find a way to build relationships, even if some relationships hurt you. You tear those walls down, and you find those people whom you're supposed to be connected with. That's what we're doing with connect groups. That's why we're doing it. It's because there is a redeeming value in together. Think about that for a second. You think about that. You think about this verse in Hebrews. It says, not giving up meeting together. There is a redeeming value in together. Because together, together is where we get ministry from. Together is where we get encouragement from. Together is where we build each other up. There's not a gift given by God that was meant to operate in isolation Every gift was meant to be given through us to someone else. It takes relationships. It takes relationships. Praise God. Stand with me today. Thank you so much for indulging me as I imparted to you my passion. My passion. My desire is to not, I mean, I'll take a crowd, but I don't want to pastor a crowd. I want to pastor family. Anybody can have a crowd. Anyone can have a crowd. And I pray that we are able as a church to set this foundation so strong that as our church continues to grow in numbers, we never lose sight of family. That we have have a system built in our church through connect groups, through loving God on the weekend, that we have a system through our through our serving opportunities, that we have a system that develops real, close, authentic relationships. And I am asking you today with all all of my heart, I'm asking you with all of my heart, if if you feel like you're coming to church with a with just a bunch of strangers, find it within your capacity to start making relationships. Get someone's name. Join a connect group. Do something. Because we need each other. We need each other. We need each other. Praise God. Let me pray for us. Father, I am indeed grateful today for your word. I'm thankful that your word speaks very clearly on this subject of the family of believers, that we are together, that we are together, that together is powerful. And I ask that you would give us the capacity to to be a part of each other's lives 
I pray that you would bless all of our endeavors, all of this that we're doing, Lord, to try to build relationships, try to bring people together, try to minister to one another, to encourage one another, to build one another up, that you would just help us. I pray that if there's anybody in this room that feels isolated, alone, on an island, separated, I pray, Lord, that you would help them see the light on just how good together is and just how you are good to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Keep your heads bowed for a second. If you're here today, I know we do this, we do we try to do it every every service, giving someone the opportunity to pray a prayer for a fresh start in their life. That that maybe you want to start a, a journey with the Lord, or maybe you want to renew your journey with the Lord, and you just need a fresh start today. I have made a pact for years with people that I don't call people forward or don't call them out and make them feel uncomfortable. So I'm going to ask you if you want to pray that prayer today to raise your hand and then, and then we're going to pray with you. I'm not going to call you forward or nothing like that. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just, if you just signify with the lifted hand so I'll know um, who I'm praying with today, you can do that. You can do that. Thank you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right, I wonder if everybody would pray with me right now. Say, Father, I thank you for this opportunity that I have for a fresh start. I ask you, in Jesus' name, to help me, to strengthen me, to save me. I thank you right now that God raised Christ from the dead. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And I receive that fresh start right now. (laughs) In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord because he is worthy. Yes, yes, yes. All righty.